Hi, everyone, and welcome to Chills Podcast. I'm your host, Preston. And I'm Nina, and today we have two paranormal stories for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode of Chills. This story is about one of the most haunted places in Texas, Yorktown Memorial Hospital. I feel like the first episode should be about Texas since that's where we're from. Anyways, Yorktown Memorial Hospital is located midway between San Antonio and the Gulf Coast. Yorktown Memorial Hospital was built in 1951 and was run by the Felician Sisters of the Roman Catholic Church. During the 1950s, the idea of building a hospital in Yorktown came from the lack of hospitals in the area the closest hospital being in San Antonio, Texas, which is roughly an hour and 30 minutes away from Yorktown. Jeez. After it was originally shut down in 1986, it had reopened as a rehabilitation center for those suffering from drug and alcohol abuse until 1988. The center eventually closed and the building was abandoned. During its time under the care of the nuns, the hospital was said to have lost over 500 patients in the span of five years. And it is said to have around 2,000 people who have died during its time of operation as a hospital and rehabilitation center combined. The building is 30,000 square feet, including a basement and two wings. The second floor served as a living quarters for those who worked there. It is said to be haunted even before it closed down which is one of the reasons it was difficult to keep staff. Another factor that came into play on why it closed down was its high employee turnover rate, which led to poor standards of care. 21 minutes down the road, another hospital opened in Cuero, Texas, which ultimately led to its closure. While the hospital was still in operation, one of the main medical professionals at the facility was a doctor named Leon Norwierski. Leon was born in October of 1891 and died in October of 1986 at the age of 94. He was an older man who practiced medicine until he was 90. By the time he retired, he held the oldest medical license in Texas. This did not mean his patients were safe under his care. He was known for his fatal mistakes during his operations. One of his fatal mistakes was slitting the throat of one of his patients while operating on his thyroid. Oh my god. It's bad. So now that you know a brief summary of the history, let's talk about the ghosts that are said to frequent the place. First, we have a little eight-year-old girl named Stacy. She is described as a friendly ghost and one of the most interactive ghosts in the hospital. When she was alive, her favorite book was The Pokey Little Puppy, which the nuns used to read to her. You can get her to interact with you if you read her favorite book. You can also find her on the first floor where her room used to be. She has also been seen playing in the basement hallways. She's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> now we've moved on to the nuns. The Felician sisters are sometimes seen around the hospital, but it's not the interaction you would expect. People who have toured Yorktown Memorial Hospital claim the nuns are violent. They are especially violent towards people who have tattoos and piercings. Visitors with tattoos and piercings have entered the chapel, have been scratched, choked, and even rushed at. 
Next, we move on to TJ. When the Yorktown Memorial Hospital was a rehabilitation center, a young man named TJ came to the center seeking help. I found two different stories. One claimed that when he came to seek help, he rang the doorbell and no one answered, whether it was because the doorbell was not working or because the nun who was on duty at the time fell asleep. The second story claimed he died of a heroin overdose. He was left on the front doorsteps by his friends, but they failed to ring the doorbell so no one was aware he was even there. Either way the story goes, he was found dead the following morning. Some friends. Yeah. They claim he is a friendly ghost who likes to joke around with women who visit. You might ask, how does he joke around with women? Well, it's said that he pinches their butt. Which I find creepy, and that doesn't seem like a joke. Mm. No. In my opinion, the most violent death that took place in Yorktown Memorial Hospital was one that involved a love triangle between either a nurse, her coworker, and a patient, or a nurse and two patients. Either way the story goes, the nurse was caught in the boiler room with one of her lovers, and when the other one saw her, he brutally stabbed her. The man she was with was able to get the knife away from the attacker, and he ended up stabbing him to death. Holy dang. Yeah. There was said to be blood all over the walls, and for some reason, the blood remains there to this day. Visitors have also claimed to see other spirits, orbs, shadow figures, and glowing red eyes. Screams can be heard coming from the labor and delivery ward. Visitors have also seen dolls laughing and talking when provoked, which is said to be caught on camera. Many believe Stacy and other children are trying to communicate. The current caretaker has had more than enough ghostly encounters. He claims that when the lights are on, in what used to be the nurse's station, everything seems to be normal. It is when he turns the lights off that the hauntings start. He has witnessed what seems to be individuals walking around. Some appear to look like guests, but others look like they were once patients there. In addition to this, there is a staircase closed off with a pane of glass in front of it. In the evening, he hears tapping on the glass when he's all alone. Yorktown Memorial Hospital is a very known haunted location. There has been many paranormal investigations there, one of them being the TV show Ghost Adventures. Some a classic. Of, yeah. Some of the evidence they caught were EVPs. For those of you that may not know, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomenon. EVPs are sounds or voices which have been recorded during investigations. EVPs can either be short phrases or just one word. These EVPs are typically faint and include background noise or static. The TV series Ghost Adventures have caught the following EVPs. You want to play? It must be told, and I'll tell them you did it. It's sick. Don't go in the bathroom, okay? Get in there. The killer is coming. Get to the hallway. Today the building is private property, but it's available for tours. There's an overnight tour you can book. You have access to the building from 6 p.m. to 10 a.m. The investigation starts at 9 p.m. Um, there's ghost hunting equipment involved, so you are able to have first-hand experience. They are following COVID-19 guidelines, so it's safe to tour. We should book a tour. <laughs> no, thanks. For my story, we're going down to Oklahoma City. The Skirvin Hotel in Oklahoma City was built in 1910 and opened the next year in 1911 by oil man William Balzer Skirvin. That's a name. 
It's a upon, mouthful. Yeah. Upon opening, the fancy hotel had two 10-story buildings with a total of 224 rooms. It was one of the first buildings in Oklahoma City to have air conditioning. The hotel had ice water in each room, which was rare at the time, a 500-seat ballroom, and imported Austrian chandeliers valued at more than 100000 each. I have a question. What is ice water? Just like water and ice? Like- I, I, I imagine so. Um, just an ice bucket, maybe? That's what I was thinking. I'm not sure. Or like, you know how on each floor they have like ice machines? Yeah. Maybe that? That could be it. <laughs> uh, later on, a third section was built uh, about 19 years later in 1930, bringing the hotel to 14 stories and 535 rooms. During the Prohibition era, the hotel became a speakeasy, and that's when things started to get set in motion. The owner, the builder, W.B. Skirvin, was rumored to have had an affair with one of the hotel maids. In order to prevent a scandal, it's rumored that W.B. Skirvin locked the maid in a 10th floor room. He kept her there during the duration of the pregnancy. So even after giving birth, the maid wasn't let out of the room, and she eventually became depressed. After having enough, she took the newborn baby and jumped out of the 10th story window. The maid's name was never released, and no police report was ever officially created, so the hotel staff gave her the name Ify. Her ghost was said to haunt the halls of the lavish hotel, and prior to the hotel closing in 1988, guests would complain of getting little to no sleep after hearing a baby crying at night. Oh my god, I got chills. That's so dis- Oh, that's scary. Uh. So in 2004, Oklahoma City accepted a $46.4 million offer to renovate the building and turn it into a fully functioning hotel. The restoration brought the hotel into modern times. It included adding historically accurate windows, reconfigured rooms, new elevators, an updated lobby, restaurants, state-of-the-art meeting rooms. But even after the hotel was upgraded, Efi and the hotel haunting still remained. For the NBA, the hotel became the visiting team's hotel when they were in town to play the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, there's a huge number of players across the league who say they've had experiences inside the hotel. While he was a member of the New York Knicks, Center Eddie Curry stayed in a room on the 10th floor. Remember, the 10th floor is where Efi was held and eventually jumped from. Legend has it that the 10th floor is where most of the activity takes place. In an interview with Mark Medina, a Lakers beat writer for the Orange County Register, Meta Ford Artest, who was a player for the Los Angeles Lakers at the time, said, The ghosts were all over me. I just accepted it. They touched me all over the place. I'm taking one of the ghosts to court. And he was serious. He actually considered taking the Scurvin Hotel ghost to court. Now, he, he eventually never did, but he strongly considered it. Wait, why? Because it, it touched him in weird places. He was poltergroped. Yes, That's exactly. The term. So two of his teammates at the time, Lou Williams and Larry Nance Jr., they refused to even stay at the hotel. They booked their own rooms in a completely different hotel separated from the team. Other players have reported hearing babies crying in the hallways. It's weird because when an NBA team books a hotel, they book the whole floor. That floor is then blocked off from the public, so no one can get up there. And you, you don't you don't bring your babies on road trips. After hearing about the players' experiences, journalist Bill Simmons, who worked at ESPN at the time, decided he wanted to try his luck and spend a night in the hotel. He wrote in his column, I woke up at 4.30 with my heart pounding. Suddenly it dawned on me that I wasn't alone. I had an overpowering sensation that someone else was in the room. 
I decided to turn on the light. Stretching to my far right for the switch, out of nowhere, I heard the sound of a baby crying to my left near the window. Oh my gosh. The, ur uh. the urgency freaked me out just as much as the crying itself. I fumbled for the switch, couldn't find it, fumbled, fumbled some more, then finally turned on the light. The crying stopped. I kept the lights on and the television, and that's how I spent the next three and a half hours half asleep, half awake, and totally spooked. Been there, just saying. Tim Hardaway Jr., another NBA player, had heard stories about Efi and the Skirvin from players around the league. He didn't really buy into any of them. In a 2019 article on the Players' Tribune, while a member of the Dallas Mavericks, Hardaway wrote, I can say off the top, upon walking into the Skirvin, there's definitely a creepy vibe. I mean, legit, it straight up looks spooky. When I got to my room, I turned my TV on immediately and left it on. My theory was that if the room was haunted, the TV would be turned off at some point during the night. So I lay there in bed until I slowly fall asleep. I wake up the next morning and the TV was still on. Everything was fine. But when I walked down to the breakfast room, everyone was buzzing. All the guys were talking about hearing screaming sounds and stuff like that, asking the people around them if they heard anything. We had a noon tip that day and we were off all game, lost by 12. We flew out to another city. I left thinking the Skirvin was all hype. So you know, Hardaway thinks that it's all talk or teammates trying to scare each other. But then he goes on. Later I stayed there for a second time. When I check into hotels, I have a routine. I get my key, head to the room, unpack everything I need to, and then head out to grab food or go to the arena. So this time around, I got into the room and I put all my stuff away and I left. I came back maybe 30 minutes later. As I walked towards the bed, I glanced in the bathroom and stopped dead in my tracks. My toothbrush had moved from one side of the sink to the other. Like, I was certain I had placed it on one side of the sink next to all my other stuff, and now it was on the other side of the sink. My first thought was that the housekeeper had done it, but we had just checked in, so none of the other stuff in the room had moved. Later that night, Hardaway is laying in his bed. Right as he was getting comfortable and starting to fall asleep, he hears the sound of footsteps outside his door. At first, he ignores the footsteps. Like, it's a hotel, other people are there too. But then, he starts hearing this loud screeching coming from the walls and these quick little voices. They weren't loud and he can't really make out what they're saying. They're just quick little whispers. So Hardaway gets out of bed and as soon as he does, the footsteps get louder and they get faster. Almost like they start running. Hardaway runs over to his bathroom and turns on the lights. There's no one there. At this point, he starts to get really freaked out. He, he literally says, I actually felt a chill go down my spine. Then the footsteps stopped right in front of his door. Hardaway walks over, takes a deep breath, and opens the door. The hallway is completely empty. Hardaway has no idea what made those sounds, but he knows he heard them. So as you can imagine, the Skirvin Hotel probably isn't the best place to get the sleep you need before a game. Since moving to Oklahoma City in 2008, the Thunder have had only one losing season at home. 12 years and only one losing season. Now, to be fair, the Thunder have always had some of the best players, but I'm just saying, it wouldn't be a surprise if Efi showed up on some sixth man of the year ballots. Now, remember, no police report was ever created, and officially, the hotel denies all the stories. But that's a lot of athletes who say they've had experiences or bad games the next day after getting little sleep. 
So if you ever find yourself paying a visit to the Skirvin Hotel, maybe find a different room on another floor. And that concludes the first episode of Chills. Thank you for listening, everyone. We hope you join us again next week for True Crime Stories. Thanks, everyone. All right, Elias, go ahead and cut us off.